we have to fill our cup back and it's not selfish. But what I was doing was plowing myself into the ground more and more. Whatever we are going through is the challenge that's growing up. Hello, hello. Welcome to Dr. Elizabeth Horansky Beck Live here. I am so excited to be hosting uh, Dr. Marsha Nathai Bakasun, who, who hesitates to use her title. We have been virtual friends, I think I want to say for at least a year at this point. And no, we did not plan to wear the same colored shirts today. <laughs> but I am taking note that we have chosen to wear a color that kind of personifies the, the crown chakra, the intuition of life that all of us, that all of us have. So I am excited that you're here. Marsha. And um, ah, how would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you for having me to have this chat with you, Alyssa. I'm a parent and working person who has lived from challenge to challenge. I so very closely identify with people who are overwhelmed. And in recent years, I've learned how to park that tendency for me to feel overwhelmed. The situation that we are in that makes us overwhelmed doesn't often disappear, but I've come to realize that we are made for more. Adversity does not need to define our lives and our experience of our life. And so if I had to introduce myself, I'd say, I am a special needs parent, a coach, a lecturer, an author, and so much more. And all of the parts, the moving parts of my life have taught me how to cope better with overwhelm and find joy and fulfillment every day through small enabling actions. That, that is so beautiful. I would ask you if you feel comfortable to tell people a little bit more about being a special needs parent, because I know that many people often feel very sorry for themselves for one reason or another. But I, as a healthcare practitioner who has spent my entire career working with those on the ADD spectrum, ADD to autism spectrum, those with traumatic brain injury, um, those with vision-related learning issues know that your family is a very special family with an extremely amazing and complex special needs situation. And so when people start to feel sorry for themselves, um, they need to understand that everything is relative from my perspective. And I'm saying this with love and gratitude and just, um, just knowing you for this past year and seeing your blossoming and blooming with the writing of your book most recently, Lighting the Path, which I recommend for everybody. But just give us a little bit of insight into what you mean when you say you are a special needs parent. So... I've been a parent for 14 years now. I do have an older son, Brian, who is 14. And he is usually on the fast track to everywhere. 
He's a quick learner. He's very heart-centered and supportive. He loves to play video games and, and, and physical things outside as well. And so he taught us how to be parents who chase developmental stages. I congratulated myself for being a good parent when the efforts that I made resulted in him being ahead of his developmental stages. And so I defined parenting by that in part. And um, life brought me quite the opposite. When Emma was born five years later, Emma was born with some problems in her heart. And I might be smiling now, but I sure wasn't smiling then. Um, and what we were told is that in our country, those things could not be healed in a hurry. We had to wait until the problems got worse and became critical. And when they did become critical, she was eight months old. And we took her to the States for open heart surgery. And recovering in the ICU, everything had gone good, gone well. And um, unfortunately, a medical error happened that resulted in Emma's becoming severely brain injured. And her brain injury caused her to lose all of her senses and her ability to suck and swallow. So that the doctors told us the prognosis for Emma was a vegetative state for life. So we went from a child who the day before surgery was learning to stand for the first time and reaching for things on an activity center and really being full of life. So that our dreams really lit up and we said, okay, after this surgery, you know, life is going to be a dream. To having her flatline and all of our dreams fly straight out of the window. And we thought, really, that was the end of what we understood life to be for her and for us. So it felt to me then, and for many years coming forward, as though life were a very dark place, as though. I didn't have what it took to figure thing out, things out because I, I can't wave a magic wand and make my child well. And the level of dependence that she has being bedridden and brain injured with heart issues really made me feel that not only me, but my whole family was locked into a very limiting life for the rest of our lives. So that's the dark place that, that I started from. But you did say something. You said, you know, it's important for people to realize that our challenges are relative. And I've come to see things quite differently. That's how I thought once upon a time. I thought, you know, this is the worst thing that could happen other than dying. I can't really see how much worse it could be because M can't do anything. Then I started to realize something. And, and I think that was me finally seeing a little light under the door and realizing that there was possibility beyond that room that I felt I was locked in. I started to realize that it was not about, not so much about the particulars of my circumstance. It was about recognizing the challenge for what it was, not pretending that it wasn't there, but allowing myself to truly feel into it, admit to what I was facing, admit to my fears, 
and my pain, but to say to myself, Marsha, despite all of this, despite your own self-blame and your fear and all the other things, you deserve more from life. And every time you feel sorry for yourself, you need to be able to recognize that this didn't happen to you, actually. It happened to your daughter. You are not the main character in this play. And the little one who's lost everything, she's laughing in the bed next door. Every single second that child shines this light that reminds me that her vision of her life is not my vision of her life. Her vision of her life has never been one where she says, I'm not enough. I look at her and I say, she's not enough. That's what I was doing. She's not enough because I was comparing her to what I thought every little girl should be. I was comparing the life I wanted her to have to what I thought every woman's life should be. And that was where I was going wrong. And because I used that lens that said, there's a gap. And it's a huge gap and there's no way to, to jump over that gap. I then translated that not enoughness to myself. And I was like, okay, so your life will never be enough. You're doomed. How could life be so unfair? You're trying to be a good person. You've done all the right things. How come this has happened? So I just wanted to finish that one thing, which is, please, if your child is not as hurt as mine, do not interpret that as I have more or to, I have a heavier load or anything of the kind. Because I remember when I had other challenges, which I now look back on and say those were small. They didn't feel small to me when I was living through them. They felt big. Whatever we are going through is the challenge that's growing us, is the challenge that's breaking us and helping us to make ourselves again in a new mold. So I'm not interested in saying my child is more hurt than yours or my child is nicer than yours or my child has a more powerful or less powerful future than yours. Really what my dream is, is to help her to be the best she can be and to help me to be the best I can be because our purpose is to come here and shine our light and live a joyful and fulfilling life. That's how I have summed it up for myself. And that's what I feel I need to do for Em and for anybody else that I help. That's so beautiful. What, what are some of the specific things that you have learned through your experience that you now do to help yourself with your own wellness journey? I know that you have gone above and beyond most humans on the planet uh, for M. But what about Marsha? <laughs> what, what, what have you come to? Is there a certain routine that you would like to share? Are there a certain few key behaviors that you've shifted? You, you did give us a, a beautiful insight into yeah. how you shifted your, your consciousness, literally, to, oh my goodness, I'm the victim. Why me? You know, life is bad to wow, look at this gift that we have here in front of us if we choose to see it that way. Is there, is there something or more than one something that you would like to share with us that gets a little bit more specific about yes. what you particularly love to do or to be more recently? 
especially knowing that this all applies to all each and every one of us, no matter who you are or where you live in the world, based on what's been going on in the past year or so. So foundationally, this is the person that I have been. I've always been the one who is the workaholic, the hard, hard worker, the type A person, the one who has the lists and lists and lists and the worry about what will people think of me? Am I fulfilling all I should be, right? And so I spent decades living into expectations that, that I felt others had, and those became the foundations for the choices I made in my life. I was not living my life to align with what my purpose was. I, was, I made my purpose making everybody else satisfied with me. That was the first challenging thing. And I think that was the first step away from true wellness for me. So the biggest lesson that I've learned, because I am so much a perfectionist by default, was to release self-judgment. And, and you don't have to do it perfectly, right? We, 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 we say that we move our mindset and then you don't move it just by snapping a finger. You sometimes slip back into old habits. But I've learned to become more gentle with myself. I'm living more in possibility. I'm living less in perfection. And that is freeing me a lot. And so the caption is progress, not perfection. I just want to take a step forward in my thinking, in my feeling, in my actions. One step at a time has moved me in huge ways forward this past couple of years. And I think that not only am I happier for it, but I think my whole family is happier for it. Because I have stopped being so extremely judgmental of myself. And the magic thing that happened was I also therefore suddenly stopped being so judgmental of my family. I stopped using the mindset of why are you not doing it this way? Let me show you all the flaws in what you do. And instead, I started to find in my own work as well as anything else happening in my family. I started to see the good things that were being done. I started to see the effort as opposed to the flaws. And that revealed another big one to me, which was my daughter was so massively hurt and the needs that I saw were so huge. The financial needs, the emotional needs, the energy needs, the everything, right? That anytime I said to myself, Marsh, you need to slow down and take care of yourself. The very next thought was, how selfish could you be? Here's your daughter desperately in need all of the time. Here's your husband extremely tired all of the time. And you dare to say that you need a minute for you. So I guilt tripped myself anytime I said, I need to take care of myself. And so for many years, I didn't. I just pushed harder, ran faster, etc. But what I was doing was plowing myself into the ground more and more. And I didn't realize it. And I did have sessions where I would, at two o'clock in the morning, you know, sit on the bed by myself in the dark and cry, 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 and say, I wish I didn't have to wake up tomorrow because life looked very bleak. And then I would guilt trip myself there too, right? Because how dare you want to abandon your family in their time of need? 
finally I've realized if we keep pouring, pouring, pouring from our cup, at some point we're going to run out of things to pour out. We have to fill our cup back and it's not selfish. It's the most generous thing you can do to fill up that cup. But it takes such a fundamental shift in the way we see things and in our value of ourselves. So the crux of wellness is understanding that you matter first. And that's not selfish. Because you have to ensure that this source that you're pouring from continues to be full. And so there are some very small things. I don't have hours and hours of time. This piece of art, for example, I love art. I draw really well. I haven't done that in so long in this kind of scale, never. This is actually something my, my, my sister gave me for Christmas. But I keep it here because it connects me to nature one, and that's an act of self-care. I can't go outside all the time, but I can move my mind into nature connection. This is also reminding me that I am loved. And this is reminding me that I am creative. So all of that is there. Little acts. I don't have to do anything, just look up. And I see all of those reminders. And my little act is, let's see if I can get one. My little act is I can't do huge pieces of art. But I can find while I'm sitting next to Emma singing with her. I can find 20 minutes. That's beautiful. Wow. And all this took was a piece of card and one pen. You could do it on white paper with a black pen, right? I use gold because this day I happened to have gold and I felt celebratory. This says it all. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It doesn't even have to be for anybody else's eyes. But this healed me. This is my favorite, favorite one. And this is not even staying for me because the other part is somebody interviewed me and I said, I felt this was the right one for them. So it's going in the mail to them. And that means that this desire to share and to spread light and to say, you've touched my life, gets to go to somebody else. So self-care is about giving yourself as little or as much time as you need to take back what you want. A year ago, I decided I wasn't going to drink black tea anymore. I was shifting into herbal teas, but not black tea. So I, was only, I only allowed myself to drink peppermint tea and water for a whole year. For a whole year. And then I realized I was missing tea. And then I said, you know, Marsh, life is meant to be enjoyed, right? You don't have to deprive yourself all the time. So here's my cup of tea with milk, which I tell myself I don't want to have because I have asthma. And when I stopped milk, the asthma went away. But I allow myself milk once in a while. And I don't judge myself. That's a small, like, negligible act. But it was me saying, Marsh, stop judging yourself so hard. Slowly you'll shift, but allow yourself to do what feels right. So easy practices for self-care, for wellness. When you wake in the morning, realize how many blessings are around you. Have a gratitude practice. I identify five things before I step off that bed. 
And I talk about this so much, but it really is fundamental to the way I've shifted into living. The sun is coming in through my window and that sun reminds me that I live in the exact climate I want to live in. I'm a tropical person through and through. I love the warmth of where I live in Trinidad and Tobago. And I celebrate that I'm here. I celebrate that when I look out this window, there's a frangipani tree next to my step. And in that tree, there are birds who make nests month after month after month. And I love seeing that the little bird families and the little nests. I'm grateful for little things, but they are big things. The big thing that I got from those birds was God sees about those birds. They don't have a IRA. They don't have a retirement plan. They don't have finances for the next 30 years after they die to see about Emma, right? Those are the things that I worry about. And then I say, Marsh, they're taken care of. And you know, because I'm a Presbyterian and there's a song, God sees the little sorrowful. I know he loves me too. And I remember that from when I was a child and it said, if God sees to this sparrow, will he not see to you? And that bird on the frangipani tree reminds me of that. And Marsh, you may feel that you have to figure it all out. This need for control is a real thing in you. Control what you can, but what you can't, just let go of it because worry takes away your energy, takes away your positivity, takes away your joy. You deserve more. That's the mindset shift. And the last thing is the one that I'm actually practicing this week. And it's supposed to be for the rest of my life. Get up and get moving. I am a sedentary person. I like to draw and read and talk and do everything in this one space. And if I move from this space, it's to Emma. She's bedridden, so we sit there too, right? My life is spent sitting in different places. And I've forgotten that I was meant to move. Emma reminds me of that because Emma can't move. So when I feel sorry and I feel stressed and I feel like life has given me a wrong, they've dealt me, life has dealt me the wrong set of cards. And I look at Emma and I say, you know, what you're complaining about, Marsha, about your back hurting, you can get up and walk to walk downstairs. Emma can't. So I just remind myself, you have the ability and it's your duty to use it. So intentional movement is the thing I'm working on now. And that is critical for our wellness. It's critical. It's a lesson I learned before, but I've lost it again. And I'm just going to pick up and try again. Those would be the, the top three, I would say. Because I don't want to give you a million little ones. But three that we could do, I think those three. I, I think that you have just offered us so many incredible ideas and practices. And there are so many threads to pick up on here. Living into possibility, progress, not perfection in your thinking, feeling, and action. And it brings me back to my somatic movement therapy training. One of my mentors, Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, who started out as an occupational therapist, but then moved into 
and beyond the, the traditional field of occupational therapy into somatic movement therapy is the broad category. And she has actually written a book by that title. I think it may have been her first book, Sensing, Feeling, and Action. And the idea of embodiment and just knowing that actually you may consider yourself a sedentary person, but from my perspective, that is self-judgment on your part because you are in constant motion. Maybe it is intellectually or, or your brain that's moving around more than most, but in the act of your caring, incredible, empathetic, um, harmonious nature that you're moving more and more deeply into, there's a lot of movement happening. And so here you are spreading the light and I'm, I'm literally reading from the notes I just took on, on what you said, understanding that you matter first and that's not selfish. And I wanna just give a shout out to the people that are here watching, Hima and Camille and Stan, thank you for being here live. And if I'm missing anybody, just drop your name in the thread here and say, I'm here too. And put down in the, in the live stream comments in Facebook, what is it that you love to do for self-care, self-nurturance? Because sometimes we need to remind ourselves about these things. And then I just loved your, your tips about gratitude practice, waking up first thing in the morning and listing five five things that you're grateful for, and then also overcoming your need for control. So I think many of us may have that characteristic if we call ourselves part of the human race, wanting to know what's next, wanting to know not only what's next, but how we can form that what's next. And what I have found is that when I get out of my own way, and I feel like I'm repeating myself from an interview that I did with Manya Gittel yesterday, that as we clear our vessel, there's more room and more spaciousness, not only for ourselves, but for others. So it has been a pleasure to learn more about you, which I do each time we have a conversation. And I know that those are, who are watching live and who are, will be watching this on the replay um, will enjoy learning from you. And also, I wanted to let people know that in a few weeks, or at least within a month, this interview will be placed on a podcast that is called Journey Through Health and Wellness. And you can find that podcast on anchor.fm. There is a new podcast that is released each Thursday. It is a fairly new podcast we're very excited about. And if you feel that you would like to be interviewed, just give a shout out. This is a sprout that came out of a nonprofit called Reimagine the Turtle Creek Watershed and Airshed Communities Plus. So from here, I just wanted to ask you, Marsha, what you have up your sleeve right now. What are you up to? Um, what have you been doing? And maybe giving our listeners and viewers an insight into what might be coming up uh, that they could participate in. Sure. 
Well, I have two big things. One has been at the beginning of this month, I launched my first book called Lighting the Path. I had a blast writing that because that was about me saying, here's the darkness in my journey and here's how I've moved from light. And here are the lessons to help you in so many chapters of your life to also lean into your resilience and your hope. So it is a book that first targets special needs parents, but it's written for so many others because anybody dealing with big life challenges will find a lot of value in that book. It's available on Amazon and the Kindle version can be yours in, in seconds. It costs $9.99. The second thing, and this is a time sensitive one, is that I'm actually partnering up with Manya, who Alyssa uh, interviewed yesterday and Alyssa to do a retreat on the 6th of August. That retreat will start at nine and it will last about under six hours. It gives each of the three of us 90 minutes to, to talk. And we are each going to bring a message and exercises to support people in living their best life. My particular focus is going to be on pushing, dialing up your joy and fulfillment by finding alignment in your life with what you live to do and what you feel called to do. And how I'll be working on that is helping you to get clear on your vision, different vision from, from Alyssa. So I talk about your life vision and really getting clear on your purpose dialing up your passion and helping you to take very doable actions to move you toward the life that you want to live, giving you more satisfaction, fulfillment, and joy. Yes, yes, and more yes. So what I will be working with in this free workshop, free retreat, day-long self-care retreat that we're, that we're cooking up will be about natural eyesight improvement and helping people to understand that once they step into natural eyesight improvement, that their overall vision actually does expand. But I've decided most recently to start with the very rudimentary aspects of eyesight. The reason being that most people take their eyes for granted. They take for granted that they see clearly, either with or without glasses, with or without contact lenses, um, with or without surgeries. And so I'm starting with the basics. And then Manya will be, if you, if you want to hear about what she's going to be talking about, you can look up her interview um, that happened yesterday, actually, on my Alyssa Beck Facebook page. You can find it there. Or in a few more weeks, or at least within a month, you'll find it on anchor.fm in the Journey Through Health and Wellness podcast. So we are very excited to be collaborating. If you know anybody who wants to take a day out of their schedule, imagine that, clearing your schedule for a full day on Friday, August 6th, and um, kind of luxuriating in natural eyesight improvement techniques, how to vision your best life, rising into your fullest potential, 
and you know, really becoming your embodied self, which in my very opinionated opinion is needed more than ever by all of us and through all of us as we step into what I like to call our regenerative future, where we give back more than we take from Mother Earth and Father Sky. So Marsha, thank you so much. Is, are there any closing words that you would like to wind us up with or bring us spiralically back to ourselves with? I mean, if you would like to do whatever comes through you. This I think helps because if you look at the whole, it consists of so many parts. Your life consists of lots and lots of parts and you are running around like a headless chicken, chances are trying to get control over all those parts. So one of the things that you can do to start shifting that now, to start calming yourself down, is start really getting to know you once again, which means taking a little quiet time for you. So I hope that you will give yourself that treat, that gift. And then I hope you back that up by coming to, 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 to spend the day with us on the 6th of August because we want to help you live your best life. And we are each coming from very different places, but finding that there's a nexus from which we all operate. So we want to support you and we hope you come. Thank you again and again. Your engineering background has come through loud and clear and helped those of us who are here listening live and on the replay know very specifically what sorts of things can be helpful to us. So once again, deep gratitude. Thank you from my heart to yours. Thank you everybody who is watching live and on the replay. And until next time, mark your calendar, whether it's a paper calendar or a Google calendar or some other kind of calendar, mark your calendar for August 6th, 9 a.m. Eastern. And just clear it up a little bit so you can take some time for yourself. Bye-bye. Have a beautiful Bye -bye. morning, evening, or afternoon. Take, take care. care, everybody.